Hello, hello. Tonight we're doing something a little bit different. I had the overwhelming desire at the beginning of that to just be like, hello. <laughs> well, you did. Inappropriate that that would be the first thing that occurs though. So I'm glad you spoke I'm first. I'm so glad you did that. Tonight's a little different, not just because Jackie's losing her mind. <laughs> that's not different, But also really. that. No, that's true. That's not different. Um, We are sitting here with a book in front of us. Jackie and I, um, in the last couple months, joined the same book club without realizing it. And it's like a book club in our community um, where it takes place in different women's homes. So we're not in the same group. We're, <laughs> we're in the same book club. Different groups reading the same books yes. for a year in yes. living rooms that are literally 10 minutes from each yeah. other for a whole year. Literally. So. Wow. That's on that like community us. without enmeshment, you know? We can do our own things, but the same still. <laughs> Jackie and I just connected on like every level. It's ridiculous <laughs> that that occurred without us realizing. I was, I think I mentioned that I like ordered this book or that I'm reading this book and that I really liked it. And Jackie's like, oh, you're reading that too? Are and then you we're like, so wait, so what is the root of this? Like, why is this happening? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yours is fancy though. You got little. I got bookmarks, bookmarks with the monthly reads on it. I'm jealous. I have to like go through my texts and look up it's what amazing. I have to read. So our hope is that we can come to you every once in a while. We haven't put anything specific like monthly, nothing like that, but just mm -hmm. every once in a while with a little like book club moment. And maybe it'll be the, the book that we are reading together, but separate. Maybe we'll both just bring a couple books that we have read recently, yeah. if not, obviously not together. Um, and just like share with you what we've been reading, what we've been loving, or if there's a month that stands out to us in our separate but together book club we'll bring yeah. that to you as well but we're we both, both love to read i don't know why we haven't yeah. done this earlier we're because well, we haven't really done anything that's true <laughs> but we're yet. both we're both big knowledge seekers in yeah. every area of life whether it's like career or faith or yeah i just want to hear like relationship what people think yeah. and what they've yeah. lived and yeah what i can take from it this is exciting so what was this month's book emma it is called <laughs> sorry <laughs> letting god be enough by erica wickenhorn and the tagline is why striving keeps you stuck and how surrender sets you free. Hallelujah. Whew. That's a good Hallelujah. one. Should, so, okay. <laughs> Emma, I would say, really likes this book. I, okay, I'm wrong. Emma, go ahead. <laughs> I give it like a seven and a half out of ten. Okay. Yeah, I would give it a seven out of ten. Okay. There were like times when I would read two chapters in a row. And I was like, I get it. That was good. Yeah. But... And then there were times yeah. where I'd read two chapters in a row and I was like, oh my gosh, my soul, <laughs> like that needed to happen, you know, like really. Yeah, good. she has some really hard hitting truths. I would definitely recommend this book, especially if you're just, you're in this, it's, it was a really good book to be reminded to slow down and to simply let God be enough. Imagine. Okay, let me give you two um, tangible things that you can infer from the title. <laughs> about this book that I liked. I'm being slapped by with the book. There's an intentional trekking section, <laughs> not session, section at the end of each chapter. It has Bible reading for you. It has like bullet point truths if you just need like a mantra to repeat to yourself for the mm -hmm. day. And then like some very Bible group study questions yep. and a prayer. And I just thought that was like tangible, applicable, take it with you yeah. in your back pocket. I definitely revisited some of the prayers as well as the bullet point truths. 
Um, the other thing that I thought was noteworthy about this is a lot of people write a book from one like main story in their life, like sure. from this life changing event or from this disappointment, rejection, mm -hmm. heartbreak. Now I'm going to write, you know, a 200 some page book that through different words and themes and ideas mm -hmm. kind of fleshes out that one experience of my life. One thing that I thought was super cool about this was that although the main theme is letting God be enough, she didn't reiterate that theme through one narrative of her right. life. At the beginning of every single chapter, she would tell a story about her life that was like, you know, years apart. Like yeah. one was about moving across the country and the other was about like her husband's dying mom. Yeah. And then the next one was like about a neighbor of yeah. hers. So there were just so many different, like, again, if one chapter doesn't ping you, mm -hmm. another one would, because she just talks about a lot of people, not just herself, not just her husband, but like people that she knows and love and how they've been stuck in kind of like a striving, reeling lifestyle without letting that fulfillment of God like be enough for them. So I just appreciated the diversity a lot of yeah. narratives that she shared because that's real life. That yeah. A lot of shit happens to us. Not like one thing, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so I thought that was good too. That was cool. I really enjoyed in almost every chapter she kept revolving around this theme of our fear of inadequacy. Yeah. Like th those were, that was the line she used was our fear of inadequacy so stems much. from this or brings up this. And it just, it was a hurt, like painful to mm -hmm. read it over and over again. Cause I was like, Oh shoot, you're right. Yeah. Oh shoot. I am dealing with that. Oh shoot. I am insecure about that. Oh shoot. I do feel inadequate in that way. And the way it was really cool how she tied all the chapters in that way because otherwise there were chapters that I don't know if I would have connected to mm. except for, I mean, I think everyone deals with a fear of inadequacy, but so specifically in this season of my life, I'm dealing with every fear of inadequacy. Yeah. So it was, we really might not cool. pop culture probably doesn't call it a fear and inadequacy. We call it, um, imposter syndrome. Yeah. But that's exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah. It's just, and it's just, we, forget I forget so easily that like I can literally just let God be the balm to my soul for yeah. everything in life like yeah. there's really not one thing that he cannot cover yeah and I just you know discredit that way He's too here. frequently so it was nice that in every every single chapter she was like yeah, and that and that imposter syndrome <laughs> and that you thinking there's no yeah. way out you know like yeah. let God be enough yeah. yeah quick side note tangent I was just talking to someone about imposter syndrome and I was talking about how last year I did all this stuff with business and I basically launched four businesses in one year because I don't know who I am. And I literally told her, I was like, if you had told me that I was going to be doing that in the next 12 months, I would have said, who the hell is she? I literally do not recognize her. And she joked, she was like, you feeling some imposter syndrome there? And I started to say yes. And then I was like, you know, no, I feel like wild admiration for the woman who did all that. Mm -hmm. And it just really started to unwind that narrative that I'd had built culturally and societally of imposter syndrome. And I started to change that narrative in my mind. Sure, I don't necessarily recognize that woman, but she is me and I feel wild admiration for her. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to look upon her and see how God's grace has steeped into her life and her business and her pursuits and how his mighty hand has led her in all these ways that I can never imagine doing but I did it. And yeah. the more that I recognized that wild admiration for her, the more I will become her. 
the more I step into imposter syndrome, the less I will become her. And I won't actually pursue what God made me to pursue. Yeah. It's just letting God have the driving, the steering wheel, you know, like literally every moment when he is. Yeah. When he has the narrative, like truth is revealed and truth is that you should widely admire that girl. Like you are capable. You have been like fabric to do the exact yes. things that you're doing right but absolutely without his hand on the steering wheel we easily are like was that it like there's just so many questions every day that could deter us from our destiny mm-hmm. but he doesn't yeah yeah shoot dang with that <laughs> what you got i got a, a little quote to read from this book um she says this it says sometimes god's ways don't make sense to us but as we grow in relationship with him we begin to understand that what is mysterious often opens the door to the majestic just because we cannot see where god is headed doesn't mean he has stopped leading i would say 97 percent of the time i don't see where god is headed (laughs) or where i'm heading Uh like Think about your example sure. just there of what you said. Yes, like, literally. With every single time you launched a business, like you weren't necessarily sure what the end result was going to be. You weren't necessarily sure, is this going to be the idea that sticks? Like, what is this going to evolve to mm-hmm. be? Is God going to use this at all? Will this one completely flop? Like, think about just like the wide narrative that you've gone through with each of those launches of things. And yet all of it was like on a path, like on a greater mission to, sure, some of it falls away, some of it blooms, some of it evolves into like a slightly tweaked idea, like, but just all of it, like you couldn't see at each of the starts of those where God is heading. And Mm -hmm. arguably now you don't even know where it's going from here, but you see after a year of doing all of that, like the purpose in every single one of the four business ideas that you launched, like you're able to see because I, I let God be Lord of my life, because mm-hmm. I let him lead. Like, I don't necessarily have to know where he's heading yeah. or where I'm heading with him. Like, I love that kind of like duality of like the mysterious is also the majestic. Like, yeah, we that's, both underline that. that's the whole shtick of faith, you know, <laughs> like that it is really mysterious thing. feeling, but that doesn't have to be a deterring thing that it's mysterious. Like, it's actually really majestic. There's like wonderment to that. Yeah. I like that. I like that too. That just felt like a good, like foundational thing to my faith that I like knew, but needed Mm. reminded of. Yeah. Like a lot of it stems from there. Mm -hmm. Later in that chapter, she says that what seems like moving backward is actually a shortcut to the path we are meant to travel all along. (laughs) (laughs) That one hurts me. (laughs) Absolutely. Fight to the core. Deep in the spirit. No, literally. And right beside it, I wrote, staying in BG and Ohio longer, dot, 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 question mark. Um, there are so many times in our lives mm-hmm. where we want to be moving forward, whether that's going to college or getting this job or getting married. Oh, my gosh. I would not be in the boat that I'm in right now if you had asked me freshman year of college. Wow. But I also would not be here. And right here is what I genuinely love the most no matter how difficult and rocky and dark like how much I can't see what God is doing no matter any of that I would not want to be where freshman year Emma thought she would be right now Mm. like freshman year Emma would have said oh you're gonna be like married Mm. at this point and have a job and work Mm. for this company but no I am very very single and (laughs) 
I just love that. Very, very single. Very, very single. <laughs> Loving it so much every day. And starting this business that I would not have started otherwise. And if I had stayed or if I had moved back to Dayton or if I would moved to Nashville sooner, maybe I wouldn't have started this business. Mm-hmm. And I know I have never felt in my life so much like I am on the path that I'm meant to be on, even though I can't see it mm. every day. Mm-hmm. I have never known that. I've always jumped from, oh, maybe I'll be a journalist or maybe I'll be a teacher or maybe I'll fight um, in like the fight against sex trafficking and all of those things I felt very, very passionate about and I was very excited about, but I've never felt, oh, this is my thing <laughs> for the rest of my life until now. That's so good. I think the like narrative underneath what you're saying is probably the most crucial theme for me as I'm like rounding the corner to 26 years old of like, read the sentence again that you just read. What seems like moving backward is actually a shortcut to the path we were meant to travel all along. Yeah, the backwardsness really (laughs) resonates with me. Like um, I, without like a lot of specifics, which I think this is a good thing to have vision with openness. Yeah. I just like really have a vision for how I want to live my life and Mm -hmm. for where I'm going. And I don't mean that by like, when I say that you could think she knows where she's going. She knows where she wants to live and who she wants to marry and what she wants to do. And that's not what I'm talking about. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what career, like I, I have openness to literally all of it, but it's more of like, I know what my priorities are. Yeah. I know, um, that for me, like the openness to be able to live charitably, like that's where I'm going. They say, give 10% of your finances to the church and live off 90. Yeah. I don't want to die with a savings account. I would like to give 90 and live Mm -hmm. off 10 at the end of my life. So when you're 26 years old and you know, that's just one example, I could give like five more, but for the sake of time, let's (laughs) just take that example. Like when you know those types of things about your life, but you're 26 years old and there's a lot of like foundational building work that has to happen before you can get there. I do not have the means right now to live on 10% and give 90. I shouldn't at 26 years old, but I constantly like, as I take steps to try and set myself up responsibly financially so that I'm covered in order to be able to like give more to community um, I get so frustrated by any little thing that like gets in my way of that. <laughs> like there's one little detour, there's one little setback and that mm-hmm. like backwards motion to me that she's talking about it's is just like cut. so freaking frustrating yeah. all the time. And I, that's probably, I would think a very normal feeling in like mid twenties of like, you're finally starting to get to know yourself pretty well. Uh-huh. You're, you're more self-actualized than you were at 18 for sure. And so as you think about where you're going on that trajectory, the slow and painful path to get there sometimes just feels so discouraging. Cause you're like, well, I know where I'm heading and it's good. You know, like it's not even like where I'm heading is like a destructive and selfish land. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a good thing. Yeah. Why can't I get there faster? Why does God like put up these things in my life? Well, it's not to block me from the end destiny. It's just to build intimacy with him while I'm on the way. Yeah. Like, it's just to build my relationship and faith with him and understanding of myself in this world. It's not because he's like, well, I I want her to take longer to get there. It's not cruel. He's not like that. No. Yeah. Goodness, good fruit comes out of a good heart. Yeah. That's like, as when you said that this whole journey, even though it feels really long and drawn out, it's Mm -hmm. actually just building intimacy with him. That's what I thought of because as you're building intimacy with him, it's what pours out from that intimacy and that relationship with him. That's what your life is really about. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is. That was good. Oh, you should write a book. Oh, Who likes that? Who likes that? <laughs> How do we get there? <laughs> you should write a book, she says. I have a sharp left turn, but I think oh, we both Lord. also underline this as well. Okay, I'm ready. Um, she also says, this is on a chapter about betrayal. Mm. Yikes. Mm. Strap yeah. in. <laughs> she says, in our conquest to defeat our fear of inadequacy, there's that theme, mm -hmm. we can become tempted towards self-sufficiency. <sighs> We pull back and isolate and decide that being alone is the only way to protect ourselves. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> a couple sentences later, she says, or, you know, if you don't go that direction of, you know, self-isolating and self-sufficiency, she says, or we'll be tempted to quit leading, cease loving, and walk away asking God to take us somewhere else with someone else to start over. I think that's where I am. But I'm oh, fighting. no. Truly. <laughs> I think... I'm in the place where I'm tempted to quit leading, cease loving, and walk away asking God to take me somewhere else. Genuinely. Doesn't that feel so comfortable? When she said quit leading specifically, yeah, I was yeah. like, sure. Right. <laughs> Sounds refreshing. <laughs> Sounds restful. Yeah. Leadership is not fun. <laughs> Having huh. people look to you is always weighty. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And isn't Dang. that the whole thing? Like, it's convicting to me when she says, um, like, in our conquest to defeat our fear of inadequacy, we can become tempted towards self-sufficiency. Mm -hmm. I would not have actually like put an equal sign between fear of inadequacy and self-sufficiency slash isolation. Like right. she really multiple times in her bringing up the fear of inadequacy called out for me things. It's like, oh, what like fundamental untruth yeah. is actually the cause of Yep. And then like fill in the blank. So in this case, like the cause of self-sufficiency or the cause of isolation, mm -hmm. like can be, not every time, but can be a fear of inadequacy. And that definitely resonates, but I would not have like put that together without her mm -hmm. words. It's really beautiful because she goes on, this whole book is based around the story of Moses and Exodus leading the Israelites out of Egypt. And she says that Moses did not give in to either of those temptations, mm -hmm. either the fear of inadequacy and self-sufficiency or asking to be taken out of his position of leadership. He didn't do either of those. He acknowledged God's sovereignty in their deliverance and his faithfulness to his promises. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Which another theme there throughout the book is like, are we going to trust God's character? Yep. Like, are we going to trust his promises to us just because he is who he say it, says he is? Like, Right. We shouldn't, we should not need a track record. We should not need a resume. We should not need like a list, a bullet point list of all that he is capable of. Like it is totally one thing in faith to know what God is capable of and believe that that's true. Mm -hmm. And that is a big part of faith because sometimes you read those stories in the Bible about what God did and you're like, did he really do that? <laughs> like that is not to be like belittled, like wrestle with it, read yeah. the stories, see what God is capable of. And then ask the hard questions and wrestle through, do I believe God is who he says he is? Mm -hmm. But then there's like this extra depth. There's like a level past it of like, okay, I believe I know what God is capable of. But do I trust his character in that? That like right. he is good right. and he is for me. And even though he's capable of whatever, moving the mountain, taking the financial burden, healing the sickness, mm -hmm. like know what he's capable of. Do I also trust his character? Yeah. Like that's a step deeper. Oh yeah. And that's the, the duality of those with each other, that yeah. it's both and that it's like, it's not like he's capable or compassionate. Yeah. 
It's not like he's capable and like, or has a nice character. Right. It's the both and like his character is more trustworthy than anyone else in my life. And he's more capable than anyone else in my life. And he holds both of those in spades at all times. And my feeble brain cannot, cannot wrap itself around that. Mm -hmm. He's a capable and a good father. She recounts the account where Moses is on the mountain and the people have rebelled and they've built the golden calf with Aaron. And I'm really sorry if you don't know the story, go read it and you'll understand a little bit more all the crazy stuff I'm spewing. But um, God tells Moses, go back down the mountain. Your people are rebelling. And he says, I will not go down unless you go with me. Show Mm -hmm. me your glory. And she mentions, she says, God could have just said, well, you know me, like you should just believe I did this for you. And I, I brought manna from heaven and I brought water out of a rock and I parted the Red Sea. Mm. You should just know and trust my character. No, instead he says, okay, I will pass before you with all of my glory. Yeah. Like the whole weight. The wholeness. He, he, I don't want to say proves himself, but he gives him, he gives them that assuredness and that presence and that closeness. So that Moses can know his, his, he just had 2000 people rebel against God. Mm -hmm. Like the good God that he is up on a mountaintop with, he, who led them out of the desert. He has 2000 people down the mountain rebelling against him in the worst way they could. Mm -hmm. And he has this fear to go back down the mountain without God. And he says, come to me, show me your glory. And God says, okay, because I want to come and show you my glory because I am good. And I want you to know that I'm good. Yeah, God really is the whole ass cake. You know that? <laughs> There's your quote card for the episode. It really is. Um, yeah, oh. <laughs> he's both and at all times, yes. infinitely. Yes. On that note, her quote, we gave, we just gave our word vomit about it. But <laughs> one of her good thoughts on this topic is, she says, in our finite mentality, We often end up leaning toward one view or the other about God and fail to grasp the entirety of his greatness and goodness at the same time. Or we assign one aspect of God to a circumstance in which we want him to be powerful while asking him to be tender and kind in moments of rebellion or distrust in his plans. It says, Mm. while Moses easily accepted the greatness of God's capabilities it seems he may still have difficulty fully grasping the kindness of his character. Hmm. And that's just like the most human thing I've ever read. Yeah. I mean, in the real life, well, God is real life, but in our day-to-day human interactions, we can know the character of someone and still doubt if they're going to be able to be there for us. Mm -hmm. And it's less about the person that we're doubting and it's more about our own fear of inadequacy. Mm-hmm. We think, well, if they see us, they're going to see that we're broken and they're not, they're not going to want to show up and fill in those gaps. And mm. They're not going to want to step up and they're not going to take on this charity case. <laughs> like we consider ourselves in all these ways that no one who knows us or ever loves us, has ever loved us would ever want us to believe about ourselves we believe those things that we should not believe about ourselves and we put it on other people saying, well, I am this way. So you won't deign to care for me. Mm-hmm. That was a big old warm word vomit. <laughs> no, 
but that's true and like it's our fear of that happening and like <clears throat> our physical worldly relationships that like carries because in our physical worldly relationships like we have been betrayed we have been abandoned we mm -hmm. have been like disappointed by people's response to the intricacies of our souls and ourselves and our mess mm -hmm. and our falling short so to understand like the wholeness and the greatness and the vastness of God's character and God's like promise to us in our very intimate walk with him, like just kind of unfathomable at times. Yeah. Literally. But her words, her words make it slightly more fathomable. Like yeah. that's just good. Yeah. She even, she says something about how can you explain to someone, um, the goodness of an invisible God when all she can see is the brokenness of the people in front of her. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like how, yeah, we live between two Edens. Like we live in the tension mm -hmm. of like life before we're once again, restored to like our fullest potential and our wholest selves. And so, yes, the thing of course, staring us down every day, is people that are like just as broken and just yeah. as fallible and just as fallen as us. And so to keep your eyes on glory in the midst of that, it's oh my easy. gosh, especially in the 21st century, social media oh and news and there's distractions on every side. There and is, pain. there is, but yeah, just like fixing our eyes on the only thing someone asked me to pray in church this morning. And I found myself saying without thinking about it, <laughs> Like I was like being, I was expressing thankfulness for the fact that in a world of inconsistency and disappointment and just turmoil and chaos, God, that you are our constant and that you mm -hmm. are our solid ground <clears throat> and that you are, you are the one that if we are in lockstep with you, nothing can be shaken from wow. that. Like you will like have your hold on us in a way that this world can never promise us, you know? So good. I'm gonna rewind it just a little bit mm -hmm. and go back to the fear of inadequacy. Um, she says in another way, she says, fear tells us to guard and isolate ourselves from others because they might reject or harm us, which is basically what we've been saying. Our fear of inadequacy slithers close and hisses, rejection is certain and others, when others realize who you are. But God commands us to commit to our fellow kingdom citizens, hmm. not just outwardly, but inwardly as well, to consider their lives as our own and to view them as my brothers. That's just the whole, the whole way. Hmm. But she also, I think, yep, she literally says later, she says, our fear of inadequacy grows when our other relationships become preeminent in framing our identity. Even wounded Jesus followers even the family of God sometimes mars our identity. Mm. And haven't we all been in that boat? Yeah. Yeah. I know I have. I literally wrote, shoot, and then I underlined it. Because I've had people in my life tell me, well, what this, what happened with this person and what happened with this person, you can't let that determine how you see God or how you see the church and how you see the community. And it's just recently in this season that I'm actually starting to grasp that as truth. And so for her to talk about even wounded Jesus followers, yes, even the family of God sometimes mars our identity. I got so lost in the last year after someone had built me up in 
faith and knowledge and a heart posture for three years of mentorship who then there was a lot of just pain and tearing and tearing down at the end of the relationship. I lost that entire identity. I knew God was real, but I didn't know who I was. I knew God was real, but I didn't know who he was to me. I knew God was good, but I didn't know what that looked like in my life. And so if you have been hurt by someone who was supposed to mirror the kingdom of heaven, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry because that is possibly one of the most painful things that could ever happen on this earth because it's betrayal. But you can't allow that to grow. You have to give it to God. <laughs> you have to let God be enough. <laughs> Imagine, yeah. Imagine that. He comes in and he steps in and he covers it all. Like you said, he's a balm to every area of our life. I think it's so super important what you just did of just like recognizing how that type of rejection and abandonment and just disappointment in others can be so soul crushing when they were supposed to be the like strong, tight knit, stable community, yeah. like pointing us towards heaven, like going towards heaven with us. So the acknowledgement, first of all, that that is just horribly painful, mm -hmm. super, super important. Yes. And it has to be a conscious choice that we make Yes. in order yes. to engage with God enough for him to be the balm. Mm. I did not, until probably the last two years, experience a disappointment or a rejection mm -hmm. where afterwards God absolutely did abundantly to the brim fill the gap. And that is because I just was not emotionally and spiritually mature enough to understand that I could go to him for that. I didn't yeah. know what that looked like. For me, that looks like just being really honest with yeah. myself and with others, like mostly with God, like mostly with myself in silence before God, like fully feeling what the disappointment is. And after that, frankly, like I don't have to search very far. Like mm -hmm. it's not like some like year long trek through the right. Bible <laughs> that I have to endeavor in order to like have him fill me back up. Like just simply sitting before him in honesty of like my disappointment and brokenheartedness is enough for him to respond to me mm -hmm. and like give me something that encourages me or give me like a little bandaid and a kiss on the knee. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, but my point is like, we, you have had to, I have had to, choose action towards that yeah if that makes sense it does and sometimes this is a whole tangent but i think it's so beautiful because sometimes stepping towards that is just sitting yeah it's just sitting in his presence and it's just being quiet even if you don't recognize that you're in his presence you are Mm -hmm. So it's just sitting or yeah, that's yelling. It's not like glamorous. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's not, not a formula. It's not. So and I, I think I used to think like I can only experience the presence of God when I'm gathered with others before yeah. him or when I'm worshiping or when I'm at church or yeah. like when I'm praying out loud with someone else. And that is just like not true. If I just like sit silently in the morning and breathe, like mm -hmm. just I'm like, oh, grateful to have breath in my lungs. Going to like fill it up and feel what it's like and just sit here in it. Like, yeah. There's an openness that I have there to God. I have a gratitude for the breath that he's mm -hmm. given me for that day. 
So good. And he like breathes himself into that space too, you know? Yep. Yeah, it's not, um, <laughs> again, with the mysterious majestic, like it's not some like fant fantasy thing like out right. there that's untouchable. Like, Clouds and yeah, no, it's like within, yeah. it's us. And it's just like our, our being that is willing to say, God, you can enter. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what else to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. She says that God alone frames our identity because we belong to him. He is our father and our brothers and sisters become the people God uses to remind us of that fact. That's just good. I just wanted to leave that note with that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh, this was a really cool thought. Um, let's see. She says that nothing escalates our fear of inadequacy like unexpected circumstances. <laughs> when we finally muster up enough courage to take a step forward and the ground falls out beneath us, we reel backward vowing to never be so foolish again. And one of the first thoughts that I had when I read this, I wonder if I wrote it down, probably not, was COVID. Nothing escalates our fear of inadequacy like unexpected circumstances. So all the small business owners, all the nurses, all the doctors, all the researchers, all the scientists, all the politicians, all the, the citizens and the people just trying to make it by and the people trying to figure out what's true and what's right and what's good and what's okay and all of that, there's been so much unexpected in the last two years that there's this, I think, heightened sense of fear of inadequacy, hmm. not knowing the answers. And so sometimes we see that play out in everyone wants to think they're right and they are right no matter what. But it's really just a fear of inadequacy. But when we all come together and we recognize that our identity is not rooted in fear of inadequacy, or in our circumstances, it's rooted in our father and we lean into that community and we lean into the fact that our brothers and sisters in Christ, whether that's church community or family that surrounds us or your neighbors or your, your literal family in the room next to you, whoever that is, they point you back to your identity mm. in the middle of crisis, in the middle of devastation, in the middle of hope and joy. Mm. Mm, that hits for me. Because <laughs> I would say that in the last couple of years for me, if anything, yeah, like actively fighting against a fear of inadequacy has actually led me to a place of realizing, like, I know nothing. <laughs> and yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Like, Ooh, at, amen. The, at the end of me is God. Yes. Oh, my gosh. We could, like, end it right there. Yeah. Just, like, at the end of all of this. <laughs> yes. Is him, and he is enough. He and is it will enough. never come from me. Yeah. He is definitely enough. Yeah. Do you have anything else? No, that, that was, was really that was, good. That hit me so hard right in the feeling that it needed to. I am. Um, I'm going to carry that like, I, this week. Like, I'm like aware. Let me just say to the people, I am aware of some things in my orbit this week that I'm like, wow. is that a sick, cruel joke? Because yeah. on a scale from one to 10, I want to deal with that about a negative seven. So <laughs> my word of encouragement to you is if shit hits the fan, whether you're anticipating that or not this week. Let God be enough. <laughs> yeah, at the end of you is him. And yes. guess what? He's not inadequate. And he mm -hmm. does have the answers. And he does know what's going on. And he does know what the end result is. So you can just pipe the fuck down, honey. You are okay. You can chill out. And with that. And me too. I, I'm going to go chill the hell out. Oh my gosh. I love this. Thank you for being here tonight. That was good. I think I give this book an eight and a half now. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I give the reading I of the really book a do. seven. The talking about it with Emma on this podcast, <laughs> I give a ten. So exactly. It's a good one. Um, it's really good. If you're like trying to start a Bible study or a women's group or something, it's a really, really good one for that because it has all these questions and reflections like Jackie was saying at the end. Not that I'm trying to like sell this woman's book, but I know. We're, I, this I is not sponsored. I do, it's not <laughs> sponsored. We just love to champion humans yes. that are doing good things. It's, it's been a long time since I've read a book of that format. Yeah. That like allows you Me to too. discuss it. It's really cool. So thank you for being here at The Shit in Our Heads and for being here weekly. This is five weeks in a row. We're some winners. We're Happy New Year. We're doing really, really well. Um, thanks for being here. Find us on the gram at The Shit in Our Heads, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.